We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When it's too tough for them, it's just right for us. Where would you rather be than right here, right now? The Rock Pile Report with Buffalo Bills season ticket holder, Drew Gear. The Bills make me wanna Last year was kind of a, a blow to the Ryan name. I, I don't think there's any doubt about it. Now, when you look through the history of this game, it's, I think we rank up there just because you have one one off year maybe doesn't knock you all the way to the bottom like has maybe been reported but uh i think we're okay i think the ryan name's pretty good but do i want it to be where it, where i think it needs to be and to be right there at the top when you think of defense you want to think of the ryan's absolutely that's a pride thing that's a family uh uh pride you know thing and, and that's certainly uh, you know, a big deal for me. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's edition of the Rock Pile Report. I'm Drew Gear, your host, and Chris Kruger is producing. And that was Rex Ryan from BuffaloBills.com discussing what his family's legacy means, where he thinks they are overall, you know, in the history of defensive coaching in the NFL. I mean, there's, there's a lot of good stuff there, and we're going to get into it in a second, but I want to introduce our guest this week. Now, I've got here in the studio slash kitchen slash sauna right now with me, Ryan the Crotch Rocket Corchamelia. Ryan, say hi to everybody. Good afternoon, everybody. <laughs> so Ryan and I went to high school together. And then after high school, Ryan moved away. He went off. He chased love. Looked for it in a bunch of different places. He went from, where where, where where'd you uh, go? Washington State to Oregon and I ended up in uh San Antonio to Texas. San Antonio, Texas? Yes, sir. Yes, God sir. damn. And then you came back to Buffalo. Yeah. It was muggy and hot, and the <laughs> love fell off and just wasn't working. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going back home to where uh, family and friends are and the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> you figure you'd rather not sweat your nuts off. Correct. If you're going to sweat your nuts off, you'd rather do it here in Chris's kitchen, exactly. which is what we're all doing exactly. than being in San Antonio. See, now I lived in Atlanta for 17 years, if you didn't know that, so... We have, I know we have a connection of waiting eight years for the Bills to come. If you live in Seattle, you have to wait eight years for the Bills to come. I had the distinction of eight years, seven years ago, because next season the mm-hmm. Bills will be in Atlanta. 
I saw Brian Brom start for the Bills against Atlanta and lose yeah. 31 to 10. Wow. Wow. Now, I got to ask, from your time on the West Coast and, you know, living out there for so long, what is it like being a Bills fan so far away from Buffalo? Um, it's an experience. You know, you got your Seahawks fans or the whole 12th man, big deal. And, you know, you go to the bars and they have their own thing. And it's like you come into the Bills fan, there's, you know, a few there. And, you know, it's weird because, like, everybody thinks is Buffalo, you know, Bills fans being, you know, weird or whatever. But it's in a sense, like, it was cool because I found a few friends that were over there. And we actually just met up and we're like, dude, you're, you're a Bills fan. And we all sit down. It's like a family. Like, it's the family Bye. aspect. Exactly. And, like, Seattle, we're, like, just... They're all separated and segregated, and like, oh, you got some people over here and over there. So mm-hmm. like, it's more of a family aspect with the Bills fans compared to Seattle. Were you in touch with the Bills backers of Seattle? No, I was not. I should have, though. Hey, I, listen, you had things going on. I understand. Now, I guess being – did they ever hassle you about being a Bills fan? I'm sure people made dead jokes. Oh, yeah, Everyone sure. has – even people here in Buffalo have jokes. Exactly. Especially the ones who move from other places. Now – on game day, when you're out of town, what do you do? Um, I go to the local bar. I have my jersey, even though it was Mario Williams. You know, I'm just going to burn that one and get something better. But um, I would wear that and go to the local bar and find out, like, hey, put the Bills game on. And they're like, what? I'm like, the Bills? <laughs> they're like, who's that? I'm like, okay, they're playing this team today. It's on channel such and such. They're like, okay. Everyone was really skeptical about they're like, yeah, who are the, like, the, who are the Bills. Bills? Like, who, yeah. Who's in my bar requesting the Bills? Exactly. Oh, man. Now, I got to ask, because I ask this from everybody. To everyone who comes on our show has to answer two questions for me. One, what is your favorite Bills game memory? Like, any Bills game you ever watched, what's your favorite moment, favorite play? I have many, but I would have to say, actually, the one last year when we, um, of course, the Bills beat the Jets the last game of the season because that made it to where they wouldn't make the playoffs. Yeah, that was a cool moment, seeing a bunch of no-name linebackers with half of our team on IR. Mm-hmm. Rex Ryan goes out there with A.J. Tarpley as a starting linebacker. Right. Who? Nobody know. knows. But he went out there and beat them and knocked them out of the playoffs. All right. Yeah, that was, awesome. that was badass. You don't even know that you just became best friends with Kyle Smith, <laughs> co-host of the AFC East Bros podcast. He was a Jets fan. <laughs> <laughs> and then... What is your favorite game day food? Um, typical pizza wings, but I'd have to say it was very hard over there because the food in anywhere from Seattle to or Oregon, even Texas, the food was minuscule compared to the Buffalo Bills. Oh yeah, area you know fan club far as like Rochester pizza, yeah. Buffalo pizza wings and yeah, you can't miss anchor bar wings. You know, just it's impossible. Like I mean, they were either too. <laughs> I crispy know how that goes. Gross. That's what he was running into, like in Atlanta. We don't. There's one place. There's galas in Sandy Springs and Brookhaven, but the owners are from Buffalo, mm-hmm. so it's like the closest you could get for pizza and wings. Yeah, it was cool. I mean, actually, the funny thing is, in Texas, I actually ran into a local um, Bills owner um, that was born and raised in Lackawanna. He had his own pizzeria, Capazza's Pizza, and uh, shout to Rick uh, down in Texas because uh, I actually found him on the local road and. Um, became friends, and he was like, oh, I'm going back home, and he was like, check it out, man. That's awesome. So. Now, getting back to our intro and you know what Rex Ryan was talking about, there have been a lot of famous families in the NFL throughout the decades, and it seems like they all managed to leave some, you know, their own legacy. So 
you get the the Mannings. Okay, all three of them were quarterbacks by trade. Two of them turned out to be two-time Super Bowl champs and two-time Super Bowl MVPs. You've got you know as far as coaching goes, we were talking about it before the podcast you starts. Grudens, you have the Grudens, Harbaugh's, you have the Harbaugh's, Phillips, the Phillips. Wade and Bum Phillips were known as being very good. De- you know, defense defense was their onus. That was something that they were both very good at. Which is when you can you can compare them to the Ryan's mm-hmm. for sure. So, and then you've got player families. You know, you've got the Longs. Look at what the Longs have done: Howie Long, Chris Long, Jake Long. They're, those guys have forged a legacy of a family of guys who just fight in the trenches. That's their game. They like to just be, you know, they handle the dirty work. As far as players, I think the best is the Matthews. Yeah. yeah. You've got the Matthews family. I mean, the, there's a lot of them. And so, and each one of them brings something else to the, you know, they all brought something to the NFL. The table, yeah. Yeah. So... The Ryan family brought something that really nobody has seen before, and you know it still exists to this day. Just this ruthless, unapologetic defense. Okay, they bring in a complicated scheme that I don't care who you are. Peyton Manning has struggled against Rex Ryan teams. Tom Brady has struggled against Rex Ryan teams. Rob, Buddy Ryan, Buddy Ryan had the most, one of the most dominating defenses in football history. And even when you think about the. Best defenses in NFL history, the two that really come to mind for most people should be the 85 Bears and the 2000 Ravens, both spearheaded by Buddy Ryan and Rex Ryan. I mean, you look at what they were. They brought all of that defensive knowledge and that defensive just ingenuity to the table, along with just a flat-out refusal to be anything other than straight shooters. Consequences be damned. They didn't give a shit. Rex Ryan has made a lot of waves over the years. You know, he makes a lot of outrageous claims. He doesn't have a filter. He says whatever is on his mind. But you've got to think about who raised him. I mean, you shouldn't be shocked by this. Buddy Ryan was the guy who once told, he once said to reporters that one of his camp running backs, and I quote, looks like a rejected USFL guard. He's so fat. I mean, this is a guy who... Going into an Eagles playoff game against the Bears after he was fired from the Bears, someone asked, "You know, what are you guys going to do? You know, what do you, you know, when you go down there, how are you going to prepare?" And he said, basically, that he was going to. He goes, "We're not going to sneak into Chicago. We're going to get the team vehicles and we're going to drive laps around the building and blow our horns." And that's what they did. I mean, he was going there to let every, and then they won the game. It's like, this is what, <laughs> this is the type of man he is. He punched out Kevin Gilbride. Oh, wow. This is a defensive coordinator punching out an offensive coordinator on the field because the OC didn't just kneel the ball and turn it over and made his defense go back out there again. Right. He's that bully they say. Yeah, no, exactly. He, he was the bully, and his kids picked, up, picked it up and ran with it. And, I mean, at the end of the day, you need that type of mentality to survive in the coaching, you know, the coaching world. I don't think you should be butting in when I'm talking to my team. You're my assistant, okay? You're supposed to back me up and go get me juice boxes when I tell you. Now go get me a juice box. <laughs> now, the butterfly effect of all of those choices, it's had an interesting effect in our division and, you know, our football team now, now that he's here. I mean, think about it. The evolution of man-press defense. There was press defense in the past, but... Defensive coordinators weren't able to bring the type of A-gap pressure 
you know, and the complicated schemes and coverage schemes and the way he would roll his coverage versus where the pressure was coming from. They just they didn't have that until Buddy Ryan. Buddy Ryan pioneered that, and now you have, you know, without that, you wouldn't have. I mean, you look at recent Super Bowl contenders who did a lot yeah, with defense. Patriots, I mean, you wouldn't have Bill Belichick. Seattle, sure. San Francisco, Baltimore. None of them would have been able to, you know, just ride their defenses the way that they did if it wasn't for Buddy Ryan pioneering this four-six bear overload defense. I, he's and then you got Rex. Rex takes that and he picks it up. And he rides. You know, he rode those schemes along with his dad's ability, and that was one thing his father was great at. He got his locker room together and he forged this "us against the entire world" mentality. Yeah, it, it it brings them together. All the criticism he takes it and uses it as fuel. I mean, look at those New York Jets teams—the one that beat the Patriots on the road. Nobody gave them any credit. No one thought they could do it, and that's why they won that game. With Rex's uh, defense, go to the Jets. You know, he puts his cornerbacks out on an island. Do you think Revis would be as good as he's been in the NFL if he was with another defensive coach? Probably not. No, probably not. I mean, his his trademark is a head coach. He coaches tough, gritty teams, and he likes that. I think him and Greg Roman are a perfect marriage because they, they both have the same mentality. We want to beat the other team up. They're not going to come out and try to finesse you like, like Chip Kelly. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not that type of team. They're gonna come out and they're gonna they're gonna pound you the in the running game. They're gonna beat you up on defense. They want cornerbacks and safeties that are gonna hit, that are gonna be mean and nasty. I mean, Mario Williams was talking smack about Rex Ryan, and Rex Ryan just came back with, "Well, listen, Mario's all right, but I'm used to playing with some mean mfers. Terrell Suggs, bride. <laughs> Terrell Suggs. Uh, now I can't think of his name." Hall of Famer, linebacker. Ray Spurs. Lewis. Ray Lewis. Also killed people. Yeah. <laughs> that dude killed people. That dude had bad intentions. He's used to, you know, Ed Reed. He's used to playing with guys who have that edge. And Mario we Williams have has never Ed had Ed Reed. And Mario oh, Williams yeah. has never had that killer instinct. No. He didn't fit the Rex Ryan scheme. He didn't he would never have made it on Buddy Ryan's team. For sure. I mean, Buddy Ryan's the coach who once told reporters during training camp that he would trade away, that he would trade away sight unseen. Doesn't even have to see the players he's getting back. He would trade away half of his roster for his. He's like, I would trade you half of my roster for a six pack, and it doesn't have to be cold. And the papers would write that, and the players have to see it. He didn't give a shit. His mentality was you show up and you bring your A game and you be tough, because I don't have room for soft people on my roster. That's why I think Mario Williams isn't here anymore. Correct. Well, yeah. The only thing Mario Williams is good at seeking out is a nice ballpoint pen. To get his money. Well, even with Rex's lack of offensive acumen, I mean, take a look at his results. He's he's only finished less than second place in the AFC East three times out of seven seasons, and only one of those he's finished last. Wow. Only one, and it was the year he got fired with the Jets. Right. Considering how good the Patriots have been, I mean, they've dominated our division for the last ten years. His teams have been right behind them. I mean, the, the Bills had their number what last season? Yeah, it was the season back. Yeah. The season before we split with them, but it's he's had great football teams. He hasn't had the most offensive talent in the entire world to work with, but he found ways to win games with his defense. That's what he's talking about. When he's talking about a legacy, he wants to be known as you know, Buddy Ryan. Buddy Ryan had the '85 Bears, and he can hang his hat on that. 
Rex Ryan has the 2000 uh, Ravens. Yep. The highest scoring defense of all time, I believe. That could be right. I'm not going to look that up. I mean, I'll they, just think that you're right because you sound like you're top, right. At least top three, at least. I mean, they they allowed the fewest points and they scored more points in the modern era of football. Like since 2000, no one's done it since. Wow. The Ravens, they, that defense had Trent Dilfer as a quarterback. Yeah, and, and Tony Banks. Rolled. Yeah, Tony Banks, yeah, subpar quarterback. And they just rolled to a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Giants were never in that game, that right. Super Bowl. That's. What he can hang his hat on, but as far as a legacy, they want to be known as the best. I mean, like we said, the, we've got the Phillips, you know, the Phillips family. They were known for their defense. They were, Wade Phillips just won a Super Bowl as a defensive coordinator. It was just was that his first? Yeah, it's his first. Yeah, and how many does the Ryan's have? You have two with Rob, one with Rex, one with mm-hmm. Buddy. Yeah, four Super Bowls in the Ryan family. Yeah, I think that I, I think that the the Ryan name goes a long way. When you look at what they've accomplished, and I, I think he's absolutely right. All the people who talk about how oh they fell off or Rex doesn't know what he's doing, look at what he's accomplished through his career. You can't Long minimize time. that because he had one bad season where you had half of a roster that didn't want to buy in. Right, always hurt. Well, and and that's the thing, buying in. You got to cultivate that team mentality. Like I was telling you, the us versus them. You got to have a guy like Bart Scott who's going to go out there and just not give a shit either. Exactly. It's infectious. It comes from the coach down to the players, and then when the players start to not only talk it but walk it, that's when that's when you accomplish things. I mean, Jamie Dukes from the NFL Network had had something to say about it the other day. Rex wants to do some exotic things. Mm-hmm. When you have guys that are just used to going to get them, and, and then you tell somebody who's used to going to get them, okay, I want you to kind of look here, and then possibly that doesn't work. It makes it all ineffective. So I think somehow they've got to find a marriage. And the main thing is buy-in. Sure. The people that are there have to buy into exactly what Rex and be able, mentally capable of buying into what Rex wants. What do you think, man? Um, I totally agree. I mean, he's definitely got the he's got the mentality. He's got to just push the players to do what they want and. I mean, we have the talent to do it. Just go out and, you know, what's the word for it? I can't even think now. But, yeah. Just yeah. Be a- one of the things that, that I – I mean, I'm not as well-versed in football as you are, but one of the things that – today, just looking back on Rex's career, one of the things that, that I can recall in Rex's coaching career, he's always had good linebackers. Bart Scott, um, Ray Lewis. Who else did he have in um, uh, Baltimore? Uh, Peter Bulware. Oh yeah, Bullware. He Kevin Bullware. He's always had good linebackers. Yep. And I, he might be getting that this year now that we have Ragland. Your boy, See, Reggie Ragland. I don't I don't look at it so much as the additions that we've made. I think what's gonna make the biggest impact is the subtractions that we've made. Right. Nigel Bradham. Nigel Bradham is a finesse linebacker. Yeah. He he works very well on a 4-3 defense right. where he's uncovered and he can run around and he can see the ball and tackle. Mm-hmm. Mario Williams, Mario Williams doesn't want to do anything but pin his ears back and rush. Right. Von Miller is the best defensive end in football. Outside linebacker, defensive end, whatever you want to call him, he's the best pure pass rusher in football, hands down. Mm-hmm. Is he even going to play this he year? He dropped into coverage when his coach told him to because he knew it was good for the team because right. he bought in to what the coach was selling. Yeah, is he even going to play this year? Well, we'll get to that in a little bit. So Mario Williams did not. Mario Williams did not buy in, and by doing so was actually hindering what we were trying to do. I would rather have someone less talented than Mario who's going to you know, give me 
two-thirds of the talent Mario has, but give me someone who's going to bring it on every down. Right. I will take that guy over Mario Williams. Because Mario Williams, when he's at his worst, is bad. We were talking about it before. There was a game. I remember being at the game and just Miami. There's a little – it's a run. Lamar Miller takes it. It's kind of a counter to the the right side. Mario's there. He has the ability, okay? He's running for the sideline, running for the sideline. Miller's – he. And he just pulls up. up. He pulls up because he's thinking Miller's going to run out of bounds. And instead, Miller takes a cut up field and gets an extra five yards on the play. All because Mario Williams didn't feel like doing his job. When a guy reaches that point as a coach, you cannot allow that because that's a cancer. Because other guys see that and they say, hey, you know, if he's going to half-ass it, then what am I doing? Right. And even if they're not going to say it, you think it. Okay, if anybody who's played sports out there, they get it. That happens. And that's the kind of stuff that can ruin a scheme, can ruin a locker room, it can ruin a lot of things. I think that we got better by letting Mario Williams go. And yeah. People will argue that with me, and I don't care. I'm willing to have that debate with anybody. He's 32. He's over the hill. Miami loves old players. Oh, yeah. Well, they, was it Junior Seau? He played till before he passed in, what, 30, mid-30s? Mid-30s, but yeah. Junior Seau was a good player. Hall of Famer. Right. Murray Williams has he's productive in spots. Yeah. He's productive. He has the ability to take over a game when he's into it. Yeah, when he wants to more or less. So like I said, I, I think that I think that A, the Ryan legacy is okay. And I also think that you can't downgrade what he's done and what he's accomplished because of one bad season. And I also expect there to be some more buy-in and for that defense to improve. Mm-hmm. I mean, you figure how bad our defense was and we still were right until the end of the season. Yeah. We're right there in the hunt for the playoffs. That's how it is every year. Buffalo yeah. Bills see that graphic every week on CBS. In the hunt! <laughs> hey, this year it lasted longer than it usually does. Yeah, yeah usually we uh, get taken... We get taken out in mid-November, maybe right around Thanksgiving. And now, guys, it is time, as we do every week, for the Buffalo Bills News Update. The biggest news of the day isn't even actually about the Buffalo Bills. Yes, it is. It's about the fourth game of the season. (laughs) Yep. The report came down this morning that Tom Brady's appeal for an en banc hearing by the Second Circuit Court of Appeals has been denied. And that his his four-game suspensions will not be re-reviewed. Now, at this point, the Supreme Court, I mean, that's his last avenue to try to get an appeal pushed through. And I'm sure the NFLPA and his attorneys are going to sit down, go over everything, and decide that that's the route they want to go. But the thing I find so interesting about this is that there's some politics involved, and I personally think it's hilarious. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, the Supreme Court justice in charge of handling any request for a stay of Brady's punishment while he appeals. If you go by three names, you're an idiot. <laughs> so the way it works, for those of you who don't know, you can he can appeal the Supreme Court to say, hey, listen, you're the highest court in the entire country. I want you to hear my case and see if you think that it was done, that the other judges made the right call. But he has to appeal separately to see if whatever suspension or whatever sanctions were imposed on him while that, you know, while that time period is going on can be kind of put on hold. You know, he has to he has to make a separate appeal to this one judge. Wow. It all comes down to one judge who gets to make the call as to whether or not 
his suspension can be put on hold while he files his appeal because it'll take them a year, maybe even a year and a half, two years to get around to hearing this case. Right. I mean, it's the Supreme Court. They take on, they don't get into session that often. So now you've got Ruth Bader Ginsburg. She has been very vocal about how much she dislikes Donald Trump over the last few months. We all know that Tom Brady is a self-proclaimed friend of Donald Trump. I quote, friend of Donald Trump. Then you've got Donald Trump who comes out on Twitter last week with the following, and I quote, Justice Ginsburg of the U.S. Supreme Court has embarrassed all by making very dumb political statements about me. Her mind is shot. Resign. With an exclamation point. That's spoken like a true asshole. So Tom Brady, someone you politically advocate for, just told the person who's going to get to make the decision on your livelihood that she's an idiot. And yet you advocate your support for this guy. Maybe you should pick better friends, Tommy. What? (laughs) What an idiot. Oh, what a loser. I mean, (laughs) what do you think about that? You hitched your wagon to the Donald Trump train, and now he might... I know we'd like to think that the, the Supreme Court justices could leave their personal bias out of it, but wouldn't you be pissed if someone called you an asshole, and then that guy's friend had to come ask you for a favor? Agreed. <laughs> what, what, what the hell? Oh, it's, it's, it's a funny thing. After nearly five months, the, sh- the story of Shady McCoy's alleged bar fight has thankfully come to a close. The Attorney General of Pennsylvania declared that there will be no charges brought against the Bills running back, and the NFL has announced that they w- there will be no penalties levied against him for this upcoming season. Now, this is going to come to a relief you know, to most Bills fans, and I, I isn't something that I could say I didn't see coming or that I didn't talk about earlier in the offseason, that I didn't see this getting thrown out for... You said that from the get-go. Lack of evidence and just how bad if they did actually open this thing up in court and have to get witnesses and things like that, how bad this could get for everybody. Not just lack of evidence. The lack of technology at said club. Well, think the <laughs> right. fact that it took this long to get to this resolution is absurd. The whole situation just makes everybody involved look bad. You know, for the officials and the government bodies involved, it just paints them in a really negative light. Yeah. Police officers hanging out at a bar that doesn't re- that has security cameras, but then mysteriously loses the footage or doesn't just doesn't record what goes on inside of it. Why are off-duty cops hanging out at such an establishment? That was set up. They're g- <laughs> they're getting into fights with groups of pro athletes over champagne. Then, they're too drunk after they get their asses kicked to realize that they have broken eye sockets and they should probably go to the hospital. So these are your police officers, city of Philadelphia. Then, you know, they, you've got the police union and the mayor who came out to the press before the, the Philly DA was even done reviewing the case, saying, oh, this guy needs to be punished, trying to put pressure on him, which just makes you look like a jerk. You know... They, they did everything they could to try to force the DA to make a decision that he ultimately didn't want to. So then he decided, you know, okay, I'm not going to prop up your guy's pride. There's no evidence here. This case, if it goes to court, I'll probably lose it. And it could just stand to make us all look bad. So he shot it down. 
Then the police union goes above his head and gets the state's attorney general involved. And then the state attorney general says no. So now the, the city DA of Philly knows that they tried to go. It's like you're at work and someone who works under you just doesn't like what you have to say. So they go to your boss. Yeah. That's going to come back to haunt them. I mean, it's it just from the outside looking in, it just makes the city of Philadelphia just governmentally and departmentally look like jerks. Oh, really? Booing Santa Claus already doesn't make your city look like jerks? What do you think? Uh, they're just shady. I mean, they, I mean they're trying to just get back at shady from leaving the, the city, so it's... See, I think it's sour grapes. Was that a pun? <laughs> they're shady. What? You just said shady. I know. Is that a pun? So, we all... In case anyone forgot, Canada... Okay, these guys in Canada once built a robot. They once built a robot that was supposed to be able to travel via GPS on its own, right? All-terrain robot. And it was they were just going to send it out and just see how far south it could make it. It made it across the U.S. border. It made it down through, you know, I think it came in, I don't know if it entered in Vermont, you know, up there in New, the New England area or if it came in through New York. But it made it to Philadelphia. Did not know that. And then some drunk asshole... Just walking down the street, sees this robot at 2 o'clock in the morning, and just winds up and kicks the shit out of it. And it died. It's like, Philadelphia is a cesspool. They should burn that place to the ground. Amen. All right, maybe not. But <laughs> let's just say if a comet were to hit it, I wouldn't care. Right. I would still sleep They some. do have good cheesesteaks. Nah, the cheesesteaks. That's where they get you. They're like, yeah, but you love these cheesesteaks, you, you been fat to, bastards. Have you been to Philadelphia? I was in an airport... And there was a place near the airport that they told me I could go to get a cheesesteak. And I was on a three-hour layover, so I walked out there to it. I can see why everyone in that city is so fat. I, I can see that, too. The entire Northeast. Because here you got wings and pizza. Philadelphia, you got cheesesteaks. What's that? Chicago, they got what? Deep dish pizza? Deep dish pizza in Chicago. New York City has every food you can imagine of. Because every hot dogs, everybody we're comes. Get, from we're getting everywhere. away from the fact that Philly sucks. Everybody, all right, we're getting off topic. Next up on the docket, Sammy Watkins. Now, this last week he took to the internet to show off videos of himself running again, albeit you know, not at top speed. He's not out there doing, you know, climbing the ladder, or doing any cutting drills or anything like that. But while he's still a way off, his health is paramount to our playoff hopes, and it's good to see that he's progressing with no setbacks. I mean, how important is Sammy Watkins? He's definitely, um, by far, our biggest set or not setback, but receiver and having by far him best injured. Player. Yeah, having him injured doesn't do us any favors. No, we need him to be 100 percent healthy. And I wasn't impressed with watching him run at full speed straight. That was posted in the uh, Facebook group, Bills Fanatics. Did I just I watched him run straight. Whoopie do, make a cut, Chris. How fast can you run in a straight line? Not as fast as Sammy. <laughs> but he broke his foot. Chris, Show me a cut. Chris, something. I, Chris, I am 100% flat-footed, and I'm fat. <laughs> and I still think I can outrun you. Probably. <laughs> can I wear skates for this? Because <laughs> I can whip you on skates. But since we're talking about guys facing setbacks, another story came out of nowhere. Hilarious. Carlos Williams is a far cry from being, you know, getting healthy and being ready to go. The running back made headlines at the start of minicamp by showing up nearly 25 pounds overweight. 
When the Bills had their mandatory minicamp back in June, running back Carlos Williams raised eyebrows by showing up for that three-day session overweight. We now know how overweight he was, 20 to 25 pounds. And let's put this in the right perspective. This isn't showing up at the start of the off-season program that far overweight. This is the end of the road. This is the point where guys need to be in shape, whether they've been working out with the team or on their own. Professional athletes nowadays work out around the clock around the calendar to be that overweight in the middle of june is a problem it's also a problem because they don't have a whole lot of time to lose that weight and the indications now are and the expectation is that when it's time to show up for training camp he's going to have to work out on his own to get himself into the right condition in order to be ready to withstand the rigors of training camp practices preseason games etc now i understand his explanation was that his girlfriend was pregnant and he was eating while she was eating for two, and and that's fine. But again, we're talking about professional athletes here. There needs to be a greater degree of maturity and accountability for guys who use their bodies to make a living and need to be in shape pretty much all the time. It's clear that Williams wasn't in shape the middle of June. When else see what kind of shape he's in when he shows up for the start of training camp later this month. What the hell? What the hell are you doing, Carlos, you fat bastard? His, His explanation is that his wife was pregnant. His wife was pregnant, so just because she's eating for two doesn't mean you have to eat for two, you slob. Knock it off. Knock it off. Mike Florio, NBC Sports. Thank you, Chris. (laughs) Thank you. Seriously, though, what, what the hell? As a pro athlete, you have a couple jobs. Stay out of trouble. Show up for practice. Show up on time for games. Stay in shape. Stay in shape. It's not that complicated. You can do what I did to lose weight and just get a divorce. (laughs) Is that how you shed about 120 pounds of dead weight? Well, (laughs) you would would think my uh, ex-wife would be fat if you called her 120 pounds. She's roughly like 102. She sucks. Into Puerto Ricans. Hey, who isn't into Puerto Ricans? I mean, come on. Look at me. I'm, I'm gorgeous over here. That's <laughs> and in our, in our last news bit for the night, Jim Kelly underwent a biopsy this past week after recent cancer screenings came back neither positive or negative about his status. Now, it, it was a big deal when it happened, and you can tell he's had some struggles. And, I mean, we all pull for the guy. Here's what Dr. Boris Kushnikov from Roswell Park had to say about the procedure itself. A scan, be it a CT scan or an MRI, is just a picture, and it doesn't really give you necessarily a diagnosis. So in general, with cancer, if we're looking for a more specific piece of information, we'll get a biopsy, and that'll give us a a piece of tissue with which we can then do a pathologic assessment. And that's much more precise and definitive than a CT scan or an MRI, which is essentially showing you a shadow. Um, the, The biopsy would be much more confirmatory. Luckily, we already know the results of that biopsy. They show that there's no recurrence of his cancer, which is good news for the Kelly family and Bills fans who love them some number 12. I mean, the guy's been through so much this year. Of course. He said Rex should be fired if they don't make the playoffs. And then what did he say yesterday? I want Rex to be here for 20 years. That whole situation, I think, was a little overblown. I think he also needs to learn when not to, not to pontificate on things that he doesn't know anything about. He's the most, he's the most uh, popular player 
in Bill's history. Yeah. So whenever he's somebody asks him something, he can't say, "I plead the fifth." <laughs> <laughs> it's a hard subject to you know fall upon. I mean, you got you know the Bills. We've been in 2016 years, and it's just like you know. Hey, we're undefeated in the playoffs. <laughs> Oh, yeah, guys, in case any of you out there didn't know, Chris has been on this. You can't lose if you don't go. We have not been defeated in the playoffs since 1999. Jeez. And that is Chris's new claim to fame. I've got that written on a t-shirt in my closet. Buffalo football, undefeated in the playoffs since 1999. And this is the one reason why I came back this year, because I have a good gut feeling we're going to go to the playoffs this year at least. First round. I don't care if we are lose, but... Are you going to make it to a game? Oh, I'm, I'm making at least three games this year. All right. That's what I like to see. The big one on our docket is San Francisco, October 16th. That is the game to be I want to go to the home opener. That's going to be the best game. Thursday night game against the Jets? Come on. Oh, it's going to be fantastic. That's it's going to be a madhouse. Actually, yeah. That's why I want to go to that one. Now, I know our friends over at AFC East Bros, Gary is actually coming in for the 49ers game. Yep, that's the one game he's going to come in for with his girlfriend. And they are more than welcome to sleep on that bed I have. Chris, he, Gary, if you're listening, I, I don't know if you want to reconsider. I just have a feeling that you're going to wake up. I just have this mental image of you, your girlfriend, you're sleeping. And then you're going to wake up in the middle of the night and Chris is just going to be sitting in a chair in the corner watching you <laughs> sleep. Like, that's just what I'm picturing. Well, I'm sorry. That's <laughs> well, I mean, when I moved in here, I did buy a new bed. So the bed that they would be sleeping on has thousands upon thousands of my dead children. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Covered in it. Moving on. Moving on. So the, the last topic we want to touch on tonight, something that has been, it's been discussed on Facebook. I've seen it at BillsFanatics.bf.com. I've seen it discussed in the Bills Fanatics Facebook group. I've talked about it with people myself. You know, this is something that's been going on for weeks. We've this talked about it out. on the podcast before. Yep. This it's is, a never-ending topic. This topic will not die. And, and as long as he's not signed to an extension, it will continue to be a topic. Stefan Gilmore, and what is you know, what are we going to do with him? What is going to happen with Stefan Gilmore? Now, I want to talk about him in the sense of perceived versus actual value. This week, you know, everyone's been talking about Stefan Gilmore. Eric Single of Sports Illustrated ranked Gilmore as the number three outside cornerback in the NFL and said the only two, in his article, says the only two outside cornerbacks better than him are Richard Sherman and Patrick Peterson. That's a, that's a lot to say. Then in an article on the 32 most underrated players on each NFL team, well, each NFL team has an underrated player, and who they were talking about who was the most underrated. Vincent Vary of ESPN pegged Stephon Gilmore as our underrated player, claiming that he only allowed a 50% completion rate last season and was thrown on more often than Darby. Is any of this right? Am I... I don't know. Did, did I take crazy pills? Am I drunk? I'm only on beer number three, surprisingly. When it comes to this contract talk of Gilmore and then the other huge contract that we needed to shell out Tyrod Taylor. For me Tyrod Taylor's not bringing us a Super Bowl. I don't care what anybody else says. I'm a realist, alright? And it's a passing league. I prefer to defend the pass with Gilmore and Darby. You pay Gilmore. 
and you don't overpay for Tyrod. He's only had one good year. Okay, well, right now... Let's go fight in the street, Drew. <laughs> well, right now, the word is that Gilmore is going to cost kind of in the neighborhood of Josh Norman. He's 15 mil, do he's it. He's probably going to get about $13 million a year. The question becomes, is Gilmore worth that? Now, from League Outsiders, you see all these things. You know, They quote this 50% completion rate. They quote... The fact that he had 18 defended passes, which was in you know it was in the upper echelon for cornerbacks last season, but it's worth noting Darby had 21 pass breakups, and then they try to play the card of okay, well Gilmore was always on the number one receiver. Wrong again, another factual error. Rex Ryan does not move his cornerbacks around. He has each of them play a side of the field, and that is their side, and they patrol it. So, if the other team moves their number one receiver, they don't follow him. Right. They just trust that their cornerbacks can get their job done where they are. So, he wasn't always on the other team's number one receiver. But, here's what I can tell you that I've seen with my own two eyes and in my, just my observations of Stephon Gilmore. Three points. Zero Pro Bowl appearances. Zero. Josh Norman even had one. Okay? Right. Whoa. Whoa. He was nominated. Whoa. He was Whoa. nominated. Somebody tell me how important the Pro Bowl is, please. No, no. Here's You want to play that card? Let's talk about this. How many players back out of the Pro Bowl because they don't want to play? And Thousands. St- and Stephon Gilmore still couldn't get an invite. That guy still couldn't get an invite to the Pro Bowl, even though everybody and their mother had better places to be that that Sunday. I got invited to the Pro Bowl, and I said no. Yeah, and you did, and Stephon Gilmore didn't. So what does that say about his game? Oh, I'm not mistaken, though. Didn't they say, of course, I think next year, next year they're going back to where it was, AFC and NFC? Because like, the past few years went with the whole team, you know, Irwin and mm-hmm. nobody really cared because it just didn't seem right like back in the day when it was AFC and mm-hmm. NFC. Now it's... More truthful and more just, you know, NFL. But even then, Gilmore couldn't right. crack any True. of those Pro Bowl rosters. In For four sure. years, he's got no Pro Bowl appearances, okay? In four seasons, he only played 16 games once wow. his very first season. Yeah. He's had multiple injuries, and most of those injuries have required surgery. Not just wow. like, oh, hey, he pulled a hamstring and he's out for a the guy had hip surgery. He's had, had wrist club. surgery. He's had all kinds of surgeries. It's, it's absurd. And then over those four seasons, he's only had 10 total takeaways. And three of them came last season. So he doesn't make, he may be... Is that his persona, to be a ball hawk? Okay, I don't care what his persona is. Here's what I care about. I was having this debate with a buddy of mine yesterday. Ryan, right here, right now. Look at Charles Woodson. Charles Woodson was an impact secondary player. Didn't matter where you put him. He played cornerback for years. The guy would step up and get the. He, he would get turnovers on turnovers on turnovers, whether it was fumbles, whether it was pass breakups in clutch situations. He did it all. That's a guy I see being worth 13 to $15 million. If you're telling me that I have a cornerback who he can cover guys, he just doesn't get you the ball back, he doesn't make game changing plays, then he's not worth $13 million to Maybe me. Maybe eight. I mean, I think, that, I think the question has, third down the question the has got to be asked by somebody, and I'm sure that this is the reason why a deal hasn't already been signed for his extensions, that the front office is asking themselves. His perceived value is huge. People are saying, oh, he's a great shutdown cornerback. 
His actual value to an NFL franchise, though, is much less than that. And that's the reason he still has not signed an extension, because our front office is not going to be suckered into signing him for a huge contract and then putting ourselves in a bad cap situation, making a bad cap situation worse for years to come by signing a guy who's better than average but not elite, but you're paying him like he's an elite player. That's how teams get themselves into trouble. Let's not forget uh, about a month ago our uh, Bills Fanatics insiders had reported that the Bills brass prefer paying Tyrod over Stefan. I could see that. I could see it. I took a, so I took a look at the numbers. Going forward, okay? Going forward, I took a look at the numbers. In 2017, here next next offseason, here are our notable free agents. You know, there's going to be a bunch of guys because we signed a lot of veterans to one-year veteran minimum right. deals this year. But the ones of note we're going to be going into an offseason with 21 million in cap space. You're going to have quarterback Tyrod Taylor. He's 26 years old. This year he's making 3.3 a year. If he's still here, he's going to be he's going to be getting a raise. Right, look what we did with uh, Fitzpatrick. Significant I mean. raise. Linebacker Manny Lawson. 32 years old. He's at the tail end of his career, but he's pre-proved it last season. He is still useful. He can still make plays. He's making 3.4 million a year this year. I think if he sticks, I think if he signs with any team in the NFL next year, he's taking less than that. Right. But not a ton less, probably yeah. 2 million to 3 million range. Yeah. Linebacker Zach Brown. I it was I was You were so excited that we signed him. I because I'd been calling for the signing since free agency started. Are you serious? They said that yeah, they said that we were not going to be big players in free agency. And I said get Zach Brown. He won't cost you much. He's only making 1.25 right. million cheap. this year. He's a great run-and-chase linebacker. He's better than Bradham was. Oh, yeah. And he needed a change of scenery from Tennessee. Yeah. He, he got hurt, and then couldn't, they signed a guy in free agency who took his job yeah. away. He couldn't earn it back. Good. Give him to us, then, for next to nothing. He will, at some point, whether it's because of injury, ineffectiveness, he will start games this season. I'm calling it now. Then you've got strong safety Duke Williams. Hello, ladies. Resident male porn star Duke Williams. Okay, he's not coming back. All right, he is going to retire after this year, and then keep chasing Mia Khalifa. Move to Florida. He's going to keep chasing Mia Mia Khalifa. He's going to. He could sign. Was he thirty yet? Because Miami loves thirty-year-old players. He could (laughs) sign in Miami. That way, he's closer to Mia Khalifa. I had high hopes for Duke Williams, but. I had high hopes for Duke Williams, but in reality, he's never been able to break out of a third. You know, he's yeah. third on the depth chart. We should have kept with his, uh, Ron Brooks and got rid of him. <sighs> Ron Brooks, my our friend Greg. He <laughs> that tweet. There was a Ron Brooks. there was a tweet in December. Somebody said on Twitter, "I'd rather have Ron Brooks than Stefan Gilmore." <laughs> Delete your account, <laughs> and then. I mean, the last notable free agent we have in 2017, quarterback E.J. Manuel. You are one pathetic loser. Ryan over here has, I don't know why, I've been waiting till now to bring it up. He's got a strange affinity for E.J. He's got a man crush. No, they got a bromance. It's not, it's, it's just truth. He figured the first, what, two, three years he was in the league, 
first year he got hurt, what, halfway through the season. He just hasn't been able to establish himself in one, a system, and two, you know, like give him a full 16-game season to play and see how he does because, I mean, in this league you can't learn any particular system in just one year, especially if you give him eight games. It's just not possible just with all the terminology and, you know, learning going from when he was going to college compared to the pros. It's just totally different. He never got that chance to learn and look the at, talent. Look at Carson Palmer. He sat for one year and then came in, and he's been very good throughout his career, and I would say even better in Arizona than he was in Cincinnati. Wait, wait, sure. wait, wait, wait. So, so wait a minute. Stop me if I've heard this one before. The Buffalo Bills mismanaged a young quarterback and ruined his career. Yes. <laughs> I know. Think of all the young quarterbacks we've mismanaged. I don't Travis know if it's, Brown. I don't know if it's Gibran Hamden. I don't know if it's the beer talking now that I'm four in. I'm usually much farther along by this. I think I'm behaving myself because Ryan's here. Yeah. So, good. bold prediction for the 2016 season. Tyrod Taylor gets hurt week nine. E.J. Manuel starts for the Buffalo Bills. And we With no time to get tape on him or to see what he's all about, he leads <coughs> us on a, on a winning streak down to close out the season, and we make the playoffs by one game. You're, you do know that you were just recorded saying that. <laughs> like, I want, you to, I want that to sink in. You were just recorded saying Tyrod Taylor injured week nine. E.J. comes in. And leads us to the promised land. I would put twenty bucks on that. You you want to take? Do it no, bucks? seriously, do it right now. Handshake, handshake. I that's not twenty bucks. That's if it a doesn't twenty dollar cash bill, not twenty dollars <laughs> worth of beer. <laughs> IOUs, <laughs> IOUs. That's you're gonna want to hang on to that one. Right. That's a keeper. <laughs> so in any event. This is not exactly an all-star cast of free agents. No. Okay, there's there's maybe a guy or two that we might want to hang on to. But the problem overall becomes you've got 21 million in cap space. You've got two players who are jockeying for contracts anywhere in the teens as it comes to millions per year. How do you make it work? Well, this is what it's going to take. They're looking at the Bills cap numbers from sporttrack.com. This is what it's going to take for us to keep both Tyrod Taylor and Stephon Gilmore. First and foremost, the release of Kyle Williams. Boo! Every fan in Buffalo will boo you. Okay, well, look at Kyle Williams' contract, and you'll see that this is how the contract was structured. And that's why they drafted Adolphus Washington this year. Yeah. Kyle, Kyle Williams is going to count for $8.3 million against our cap next year. I think we can all agree that no matter how much we love him and how good he is, he is not an $8.3 million a year player. And we'll only incur $1.2 million in dead money if we cut it. Which means that move alone frees up over $6 million worth of cap space. We'll, we'll restru- I think he'll restructure. He wants the. That becomes a question. If he won't restructure. I have no doubt in my mind. If they don't already know come the offseason, because his his bonus, I mean, he, he gets a roster bonus. Right. He's due it on the third day of the league year. I think they have to know after the season's over whether or not he's willing to restructure. Mm-hmm. Because if not, I, I very much see Kyle Williams gone off this roster. He's going to retire, Bill. He's played this whole entire league. I yeah. thought the same thing about Fred Jackson. Yeah, but I don't and know. They, they did what they needed to do. Right. They saw so this enough is a, in training camp from Carlos to hang on to him. This is a front office. That, and then his head got big, and he ate with his wife. 
I mean, who has a wife? Seriously. So there's, Bad ideas. So you go from 21 to, let's say, if that's six and six and a half, then you go from 21 million in cap room to 27 in cap room now. Right. But that still doesn't get you your franchise quarterback and your <laughs> shutdown cornerback. I'm, I'm air quoting could. if any of you can't see that. Your shutdown cornerback. The, relo- the release of James, James, Jerome Felton this offseason. Okay, this offseason. The one point two, we save one point two million dollars after this dead money hit. If we cut him outright and bring in Gronkowski to play as our fullback this year, when we did play Felton, he he wasn't effective. He whiffed on so many blocks; it wasn't even funny. And I think a part of it is not so much his fault. He spent the prime of his career playing with Adrian Peterson. The guy made a Pro Bowl as Adrian Peterson's fullback during his most productive season. Right. And he's a north-south runner. North-south runner. And Shady he was trying to block for Shady. Shady's a creator in his own right, whereas he, he wants to get out in space. He wants to make cuts and take angles to make guys miss. You don't need a fullback for that. No, and so, unfortunately, having a fullback here wasn't really all that effective because if he's trying to block... I think half by halfway through the season, he was so frustrated with trying to figure out where McCoy was going to go. Because McCoy never knows where he's going in any run. He just sees the field and cuts. Right. Whereas Adrian Peterson knows the run. He knows where his blockers are going to be. And he just tries to hit the hole as hard as he can and break through. With a fullback, that works. With a fullback in this kind of freestyle running that Shady does, it just doesn't work. If you haven't... Caught up to any of our podcasts. You listened last week when we had Eric Turner on, who spoke to that, that Felton was not needed for shady runs because he's so shifty and you yep. don't know what he's going to do. Well, Felton might have, might have gotten a block. Shady probably saw another hole or another and just took off the and, other way. And took right. off the other way. So at the end of the day, I'd rather save $1.2 million that we can roll over to next year's cap right. by cutting the guy that we don't really need. As well, long as Gronkowski can show that he can play special teams, I have no problem cutting him and saving that cap. Yeah, even even for um, Gronk to have even just as a, a quarterback, you know, uh, pass blocker, you know. Yeah, even if you can bring him in and show that he can pass block a little bit. He's a big guy. Yeah. He's not small. He's a Gronk. He's a Gronk. So yeah. if he can pass block. He's huge. And he's, he's got, got a smooth chest. <laughs> oh, my God. Of course you noticed that, what, Chris. But how, I mean, look at Gary, just remember all this. Gary, remember all this when <laughs> you're planning your trip to Buffalo. But it's like I was saying, like, how many teams actually have a fullback that they use on a day, like, on a straight-up north-south running back style? I mean, Right it's now, a, it's a dying position. Yeah, it's a position that I played fullback a little bit when I was younger. I'll tell you, it's a lot of fun. It's a mean, nasty position to try to play. Yeah, but but they don't need it anymore no. because the way teams are going to these spread offense concepts, these mm-hmm. shotgun concepts, there's no room in the NFL anymore nope. for fullbacks. You you still need a guy occasionally, right? But for the most part, the day of the fullback is over. So if I can get mine for half a million, you know, half a million dollars as opposed to three million dollars, I'll take it. And then another one that people probably don't think about, but the release or restructure of Corey Graham. Now, just like Kyle Williams, Corey Graham's not getting any younger. He's in his thirties. He slowed down last season. He got exposed a couple times. Yeah, badly. I saw that badly in coverage, which speaks to the fact that while he still has a like. He had that pick six against the Jaguars. Mm-hmm. He has a he, he's not an ineffective football player. He has the eye for the ball. Yeah, he has an eye for the ball, and that doesn't mean that he can't be a, a good 
in-the-box safety for another couple years. But I'm not going to pay an in-the-box safety $5 million a year. We need a covered safety. If if you're making $5 million or plus on a football team, I expect you to be able to cover. I mean, Aaron Williams is making about five or six, and that's what he brings to the table is his pass coverage. Mm -hmm. If you're a safety, you can't cover that deep half of the field, then I just don't think you're worth more than two or three million. What's Corey better at, run or pass? Definitely better than the run. He actually set, according to Pro Football Focus, set a record, not a record, but he led the team in his tackling in the box, his metric for tackling. Mm -hmm. He was the most accurate tackler on the Bills roster. All right, uh... The guy from last year that I would assume was better at the run, Corey Rambo. When you cut Corey Graham and have Rambo, he was fast if he's him. better at the run, see, I wouldn't cut Corey Graham. What I would, I would uh, outright, I would, I would prefer a restructure. Yeah. If they could get him down to about two million, two and a, two and a, two and a two half. half. I mean, if we cut him, it saves us three point seven million in cap room that we can roll the next season, which tacks on to the. What, six and then one, so six, seven, we'll call it seven, five, throw another three, seven on there, so now you're talking ten. Now we would be up to, if we made all these moves, if we cut Corey Graham and didn't pay him anything, we would be up to about $31.5 million in cap room, which might be enough to fit both Tyrod Taylor and Corey Graham and uh, Stephon Gilmore in. So now... The end of all of this, even if we do end up finding a way to keep both Taylor and Gilmore, you realize that that means that we're going to spend the next few years relying absolutely on the draft to bring any new talent to this team because we will have no cap space to work with. Right. Well, look at what Whaley's done. I mean, our forecast is that this draft that we had in uh, May or April, we killed it. The last draft was pretty good. I think our last garbage draft was the year that we drafted uh, EJ. Yeah. Whaley's a good scout. So are you comfortable with that? Yes. Although if it came down to Tyrod or Stefan, I want Stefan. Now, Crotch, you say no. And I'm just, I'm just, I like yeah. the fact that you two are on different pages right now. So let me. Well, you and I are on different pages on this let too. Let me broach this subject to both of you, and I want a reaction from both. Okay. Next offseason, the New England Patriots have the most available cap space in the NFL. Typical. They are the empire from Star Wars. They're just always going to be like whenever you think you have them backed into a corner, they've already outsmarted you. You just don't know it yet. Right. Next season, they're going to have enough money. They're going to sign Jamie Collins. They're going to sign Donta Hightower. Roll Tide, former Alabama player. But they never signed anybody to huge deals. That's why no. they traded Chandler and Jones. That's why they trade anybody who they think won't fit their future plans. They trade them at their point of maximum value. Yep. They got a first-round draft pick and a guy who was t- another former first-round draft pick in Goodson, I believe his name is. I can't remember. Guy's a guard. Jonathan Cooper. Yeah. Guard out of North Carolina. He was touted during that draft, like pre-draft process, as being probably the best guard prospect of all time. So, if there's any coach in the world who can bring that out in a player... It's Bilicek. It's Bilicek. Mm-hmm. So, they basically stole a first-round pick and got a fantastic guard. Well, yeah. we'll and, see. But yeah. if he can get the guy to play, they just stole... Two 
dynamic players away. And saved money. And saved money in the process because they knew they weren't going to re-sign him anyway. Their front office is possibly the best. Now, here's my scenario for you. We decide that we're going to go Tyrod Taylor. They know that their cornerbacks are, you know, Malcolm Butler's good. There's a couple other guys who are good. But I think a lot of it's just the scheme that Bilicek puts them in. And then he kind of put them in a position to be good and win football games. So you're saying Belichick Gilmore comes go out. after Gilmore? Yep. They oh, have the cap space. Oh God, they would. Would you rather see? Now I know that you're saying sign Ty- Tyrod Taylor instead of Gilmore. If it came down to the two of them, would you rather sign Tyrod and still see Gilmore end up in a Patriots uniform? Yeah. Oh. No. Absolutely no. No. no, he's played against Sammy. He knows Sammy's tendencies. He don't. Yeah, but he he, he, he does. But he doesn't know all of Sammy's tricks. I mean, because like it's like playing against ODB. I mean, it's just there's only a certain point people, players do every day. They they change their schemes. They change. I mean, and obviously we know Gilmore has gotten beat by other players. So mm-hmm. obviously he can be beat. And Sammy is probably the top one, top five wide receiver in the league right now. So it's like. Not according to uh, the NFL Top 100. Well, they're not right, obviously. I love how all of the players came out and just bashed the shit out of the NFL Top 100. I would have, too. I didn't watch any of it, but... Well, they basically said that Alan Hearns from the Jaguars was was better better than than Sandy Watkins. And Darby wasn't even in the 100, right? (laughs) So that tells you everything. It's more of a popularity contest than anything else. But at the end of the day, we're stuck here, guys. We have a conundrum. I mean, think about all the moves I outlined. And then to know that we might lose all of those players and then still not have the money to bring in new guys. Mm-hmm. Like, it's going to be draft or bust. What about a Carpenter? Dan Carpenter, our kicker. He, he just got... And they're talking about letting him go or doing something with him because I remember... Well, his cap's him. small, though. His his cap is small. It was. I don't his cap is small. I think that... I think Dan Carpenter, last season, I think was an... I think last season was a byproduct of a number of things. Well, I had this argument with some guys I work with down in the warehouse. Yeah. I go down to the... It's, it's like the office. You've got the office upstairs and the uh, warehouse downstairs, and I go down there and I argue with the blue-collar guys in the shipping department. And so... Do you direct them here? <laughs> So ah, that's a no. No, because half that's of our numbers are so low, Drew. Half of, them don't, half of them don't own a laptop. <laughs> they can't afford a laptop. All right. They offer me. Hey, they, they're always telling me I should come shooting with them, though. That's shooting, big. Yeah. shooting. Yeah, that's so, huge in my shop. That's what they do for fun. Yeah. But so we got into this argument, and the argument was Dan Carpenter sucks. I say Dan Carpenter doesn't suck. Dan Carpenter was injured all preseason last year, yeah. and then. When he was hurt, he has his coach, who he's never met, he has no relationship with, come out and bash him in public, making fun, you know, basically saying, "Oh, well, I don't know why he's not practicing. I mean, it's 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 a leg. It's not so bad." Well, he's a kicker. That's your whole. Yeah. And I think I think, and again, Rex is used to tough guys. He's used to tough guys who are used to who can take that and use it as fuel. Instead, I think it backfired. I think Carpenter took it personally. Mm-hmm. So then you had his dog dying. One of his kids got sick. He was injured Plus to the, start the season, and he just never got into a rhythm. And then throughout changed, the season. They changed the whole schematics of the field goal, the 15 yards yeah. further back. So it kinda, and he was, one of the biggest, he was one of the biggest opponents of that them moving the, the extra point right, back. Yeah. And he shanked a couple of those. Mm-hmm. You know, he did. And... 
I think that the dynamic between him and Rex Ryan was the biggest thing driving his struggles last year. Right. I mean, he was openly... They openly did not like each other. Right. They were willing to talk to the public and make certain comments and let you know that there was no love there. Mm-hmm. You can't have that. No. And they asked, they asked Rex about it this offseason, and he said, we're good. We talked. We're good. He's good. Everything's good. I think because he needs to have that player buy-in. Mm-hmm. That's what makes and, and if you're in Rex's good graces, that guy will go to war for you. He will, mm-hmm. you know, back to our earlier discussion about the Rex Ryan legacy. Right. Rex will go to war for his players. He will stick up for his players. He's willing to be the public distraction so his players never have to feel any media pressure or anything because he's going to be the guy. He's going to take every bullet for them. That's what makes him a player's coach. That's what makes him a player's coach, and that's what's gotten him here this far. Now it's time for him to take the next step, show you can do something with that. Once you get that buy-in, you get rid of your locker room cancers, you got to prove you can take that next step. Yeah. Because you know he wants, you know he wants that trophy. He wants his own Lombardi trophy, so that him and his oh, yeah. old man can sit back and be like, "Hey, yeah, I got." Him. Now this season, he he passed. I'm I'm I think no one's going to be more fired up about this season than the Buffalo Bills. Oh, yeah. you, you talk about all in with the coach's father passing. I think it's oh, going to yeah. be big for it's, them. Yeah. So I think we should all take tally on what's our gonna our assumption of record gonna be. Like what do you think we're gonna go this year? Alright, that's fair. I'm gonna say that the Bills go ten and six and sneak in as a wild card. We sneak in as a wild card and I'm trying to th- come back to me and I'll tell you who we play. Exactly. I'm at no point to give you a prediction. I will tell you, I work with a gentleman in a machine shop. <laughs> Who would give me his bill season prediction in March? Okay, you're going to give me your prediction before the draft, before free agency begins, before training camp when we know we have who's is somebody going to get injured in a freak accident, slip on a mat, concuss, and oh, retire. Kevin Cobb. Oh. Is, or, or like uh, Jordy Nelson, he got in, oh, he tore yeah. his ACL in the preseason. I gotta hold out on my prediction until if until between the preseason and the regular season right. begins. But I, right now, for me, it's not looking good. So mine is going off of if we can all stay healthy. If we can stay healthy, like Sammy, Kyle, everybody, me, and our few third or second string players, I said we go eleven and five. 11 and, 11 five. and 5. Wow. Spoken like a true Bills fan. That is spoken like a true Bills spoken fan. Spoken like a true Bills fan. Yeah, well, you're going to have to come back when we do our season rundown before the season because that's what we spent in a whole episode last year, just taking the games one by one and counting down where we were going to win and where we were going to lose. You're yeah, gonna we're going to that, that, yeah, we're gonna make that a whole super show. That'll now, my birthday's in two weeks, so, Mom, if you're listening, I need another microphone. <laughs> And guys, we're talking about we're over here on the Rockpile Report talking about all this, you know, Stefan Gilmore and we're bringing up Tom Brady. There's actually an article right now on BillsFanaticsBF.com about Brady's re- you know rejected appeal from Veronica Chelsea Brown, stating that she doesn't think it's all good news for the Bills. Why don't you guys head over there and check it out? It's BillsFanaticsBF.com. Okay, it's the first article you're going to see on the page. Give it a read. It's it's some interesting stuff. I've been over here browsing through it. And if you're new to our podcast, download every episode tonight and listen to it. 
And I'll be back on next time. Guys, you can find us on where? Now, on we're on iTunes. We're on Stitcher. We are on Podbean. Podbean. You know, we, we're everywhere. Twitter. Guys. We're like we're like the wind. If at anybody Rock out there Pile has anything Report. they want to say, hit us up Twitter at Rockpile Report. You can find us, you know, shoot us an email, rockpilereport716 at gmail.com. Find the podcast on billsfanaticsbf.com. I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Kruger. This is Ryan, the Crotch Rocket Cortramelia. And this has been the Rockpile Report. Thanks for showing up, everybody. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.